Coming up in this hour, government says it is sad to have withdrawn the official part of Zondani Veronica Zimbukwe's funeral after the PAC members disrupted the funeral proceedings in Khrafrenet in the Eastern Cape. And as you heard in the news, President Cyril Ramaphosa has criticized the U.S. President Donald Trump for meddling in the land question in South Africa. You can keep your America, will keep our South Africa, says the President. And our focus point is, of course, Zimbabwe. The members of Zimbabwe ZANU-PF are celebrating and are getting ready for the inauguration of the president-elect Emerson Manangagwa scheduled for today. Now, the MDC Alliance leadership will meet uh, this coming we- Wednesday to chart the way forward after the Constitutional Court declared Manangagwa the winner of last month's election. A political strategist, Asi Lamumba, says that the court judgment showed the failure of the opposition MDC alliance to provide substantial evidence against Manangagwa's victory in the July 30th polls. And that's why we focus this morning and ask you this question. What is your take on the Constitutional Court in Zimbabwe declaring President-elect Emerson Manangagwa the winner of last month's election. Let me know what's on your mind. That number to dial 0891104208. That's the number here in studio. Let me also know what's on your mind on the WhatsApp voice note uh, 0826923909. SMS us on 4093. It'll cost you one rand fifty. Like us on the Facebook page. If you like us there, you, yes, you become part and parcel of this growing family, The Weekend View. Tweet us, The, the Weekend View, or on my timeline at Elvis Preslin. Email me the long form on the uh, email address preslin.e at sabc.co.za. I want your take on uh, the uh, Constitutional Court's uh, ruling uh, in Zimbabwe declaring uh, the uh, President-elect Emerson Manangagwa the winner of last month's election. Let me know. Let's now take a look at your weather forecast. A number of warnings, severe weather alerts, extremely high fire danger conditions expected over the extreme eastern parts of the northwest province and the Free State. The extreme western parts of KwaZulu-Natal, Gauteng, the high felt of Mpumalanga and the southwestern parts of Limpopo. High fire danger in those areas. There's disruptive snowfalls expected over the mountainous areas of the Cape Winelands, the West Coast District and the Overberg District, as well as the southern high grounds of the Northern Cape in the morning. There will be rain leading to localized flooding in the Cape Metropole, Cape Winelands, the southern parts of the West Coast, as well as western parts of the Overberg Districts in the morning. Gale force westerly and southwesterly winds 65 to 80 kilometers per hour. Hold on to a pole, people. That's expected between Cape Columbine and Algoa Bay, moderating from the west. And there's a watch, high seas with wave heights from uh, 6 to 7 meters, expected between Cape Columbine and Port Alfred. Pretoria today will be a fine day, 11 to 27. The expected UVB sunburn index is high. Johannesburg will be fine, 6 to 25. Vereniging will be fine, 5 to 26. Mbombela will be fine, 6 to 27. Polokwane will be fine, 11 to 28. Mai Kang, partly cloudy and windy, 10 to 25. Freiburg will be fine and windy, 6 to 21. Bloemfontein, partly cloudy and windy, 3 to 14. Kimberley, fine and windy, 4 to 15 degrees. Uppington, believe this or not, 
3 degrees to 13 degrees in Uppington of all places, but it will be fine. Cape Town will be cloudy uh, with uh, spells of passing showers. Fresh westerly wind becoming southwesterly in the afternoon, 8 to 12 degrees. The expected UVB sunburn index is low. George, cloudy with intermittent showers. Strong westerly wind, 8 to 12 degrees. Port Elizabeth will be partly cloudy but cloudy at times with isolated showers. You'll have a strong southwesterly wind becoming gale force mid-morning. 11 to 16. East London will be partly cloudy, becoming cloudy in the afternoon. A moderate westerly wind becoming strong southwesterly mid-morning, reaching near gale force winds in the afternoon, 14 to 18 degrees. Durban will be fine, becoming partly cloudy. Isolated showers in the afternoon and evening. Fresh northeasterly wind becoming fresh to strong southwesterly, 16 to 24. Expected UVB sunburn index moderate. Richards Bay will be fine, becoming partly cloudy with isolated showers in the evening. Fresh northeasterly becoming fresh to strong southwesterly in the afternoon, 18 to 25. And last but not least, Peter Maritzburg will be fine, partly cloudy with isolated showers in the afternoon and evening, uh, 12 to 24. That's your weather forecast brought to you by the South African Weather Service. For more information, you can go to weatherSA.co.za. Mmm, this is so delicious. What's the occasion? I just want to add a little vavavum to our relationship. I'll be right back. Oh, there she goes again. I'm out of here. Haibo. Tamba. Ah, he's gone again. Man, don't run away from your problems. SMS help to 32110 or send a please call me to 072-315-2574. Keys and C's apply. SMSs cost one red. Hashtag SAFM Weekend View. It's 11 minutes past 6 o'clock, and remember, you can engage with us on that number, 891 That's the number here in studio. I want to know from you this morning, because we're focusing on Zimbabwe, your take on the Constitutional Court in Zimbabwe declaring the president-elect Emerson Manangagwa the winner of last month's election. I'll take a look at uh, some of your comments in a short while. Now, the uh, government says it is sad to have withdrawn the official part of Zondeni Veronica Zabukwe's funeral after the PAC members disrupted the funeral proceedings in Hrafrenet in the Eastern Cape. They've called for the hoisting of the PAC flag and that the coffin be covered with the PAC flag instead of the South African flag. Struggle Stalwart is the widow to the late Robert Mongoliso Sabukwe and has been laid to rest next to his remains in Hrafrenet in the Eastern Cape, as Andan Ngonyi reports. I want to make a special appeal to you. The onus now is on you to make sure in the Gokubana Uluta to Felipanzi, Siso Kapa Uma Mangentela, a family. Program Director, Defense Minister Nosevue Mapisa Nagula, attempting to restore peace. This is after the PAC pulled an unexpected stunt. What seemed to be peaceful chant of liberation songs from PAC members ended in complete chaos during the funeral service at the Botanical Garden in Hrafreinat. 
The PAC members started their singing and dance outside Sobugwe's home shortly after the arrival of the body. Inside the marquee, the group called for the hoisting of the PAC flag and that the coffin be covered with the PAC flag instead of the South African flag. Sobugwe, who died at the age of 91, was meant to receive a special official Category 2 funeral, a funeral reserved for spouses of the president, deputy presidents and deputy ministers, amongst others. But the untamable group took over. The PAC was afforded demands. However, the government withdrew. Acting Director General at the GCIS, Pumla Williams, has confirmed that the government has withdrawn the official part of the funeral. We can confirm that government has withdrawn uh, the official part of the funeral and we can also confirm that the deputy president has had to leave um, it is unfortunate that the situation that we found ourselves as government in became untenable and we have had to withdraw to allow the funeral to proceed with the dignity that Mamusu Bukwe deserves. This did not stop loved ones from sharing memories and speaking highly of the struggle stalwart, affectionately known as Mama Azania. Nziki Biko, widow to the late founder of the Black Consciousness Movement, Steve Biko was very close to Mama Sobukwe. She says she can relate to the suffering of Sobukwe and therefore fully understands the challenges she faced. Mama Sobukwe experienced many hardships when her husband was sentenced to spend three years in prison and after that was kept in solitary confinement on Robben Island. Tadasongukwe was, in fact, never truly released. My own experience was, to some extent, compared with that. Former PAC leader in the Western Cape, Iman Kasim, has applauded the late struggle stalwart for maintaining her dignity, despite hardship. He says Sobugwe mustered all responsibility vested in her, including that of a loyal wife and a mother. None of us could have bestowed dignity on Mama Sobukwe because she had Indian dignity. They say that some people are born great. No, as revolutionaries we believe that all human beings are born great. But they have mediocrity thrust on them and some of them achieve mediocrity through their own actions. We salute this great revolutionary soul. We thank her for her contribution. Speaking at the service, Sobugwe's granddaughter, Otuwa Sobugwe, could not hold back her tears as she spoke fondly of her grandmother. Otuwa says this has left a void in their hearts. This past week has been very hard for us all. Gogo's precious presence in our lives has now been replaced with a painful void, a void that cannot quite be explained. In fact, as I was writing the speech with my siblings, I really struggled to find the words that would allow those that have never met my grandmother to really understand who exactly she was. Because how can one define such an incredible character in a few sentences? Mama Sobugwe has been laid next to her husband's remains, whose grave is now a national heritage site. I am Anna Nongi in Khraf Reynat. That brings the time now to 16 minutes past 6 o'clock. Members of Zimbabwe's ZANU-PF are celebrating and are getting ready for the inauguration of President-elect Emerson Manangagwas that is scheduled for today. 
The MDC Alliance leadership will meet this coming Wednesday to chart the way forward after the Constitutional Court declared Manangagwa the winner of last month's elections. Now, for more on this, we're joined on the line by our correspondent, Efet uh, Musukiwa. Efet, a very good morning to you. Can you tell us what was the general public's reaction around Harare after the court ruling and what do some of the ordinary Zimbabweans feel about this decision to declare Manangagwa the winner? Uh, good morning, Elvis. Um, yesterday, indeed, there were a few uh, Zanpia supporters who were celebrating in preparation for uh, uh, President Emerson Mnangagwa's inauguration today. Um, the reactions uh, really varied. You had, uh, you know, pre- uh, predominantly Zanpia supporters openly showing their support, but the majority, you know, Harare is an uh, opposition stronghold. The majority of people in Harare were not celebrating. There were very few incidences of celebrations in and around uh, the capital city, Harare. Yeah, yesterday, um, opposition leader Nelson Chamisa of the MDC Alliance actually held a press conference where he indicated that tomorrow, oh, sorry, today, uh, that is Sunday, he will not be attending the inauguration of President Emerson Mnangagwa because he feels he was robbed of the right. He says he is the, uh, the one who should be. Uh, inaugurated because he believes he won the, the election and he says uh, now that um, the um, legal door uh, for his ascendancy has been closed, he now has, he is now looking to the political door or the political avenue and that uh, the, it's not yet over. He's going to keep on fighting till, uh, uh, you know, till his victory is confirmed. Okay. So- Mm-hmm. Now, the inauguration goes ahead today. What is expected to take place, and, and has the MDC Alliance said anything about it? Uh, the MDC Alliance, like I indicated, say they, are not, uh, they will not be attending the, mm. uh, the inauguration. Uh, and um, we understand that um, quite a number of SADC, uh, or, or SADC presidents, uh, presidents within the SADC region will be attending the, um, the inauguration. That also includes uh, South African President Cyril Ramaphosa will be in attendance today. And in response to that, Nelson Chamisa actually said that SADC are actually coming to endorse a flawed um, uh, process. They're actually coming to endorse a flawed election, and they they should have responded to his request before they came to, you know, to support, to show support for Emerson Mnangawa. And the general feeling with the inauguration going ahead today, Zimbabweans are happy? Uh, well, it's, the, the capital city, Harare, like I indicated, is predominantly um, an opposition stronghold. Um, and ma- the majority of the people, um, you know, they were not, uh, they are not, a lot that we spoke to yesterday, generally were saying, ah, we, will, we will not be attending the inauguration because predominantly you will understand that there will be opposition. But mm-hmm. in terms of those that were at the stadium making preparations, you know, Zanpia supporters, they are actually looking forward to it. They were actually yesterday at the stadium when we visited it late uh, afternoon yesterday. There were a lot of companies that were actually advertising. There were a lot of billboards. There were a lot of, you know, people just putting up their infrastructure to show their support for Emerson Nangago. So it is really varied, obviously. Yes. Uh, but the, 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 there isn't that much uh, celebration uh you know, uh, taking into account that uh, Harare is um, an opposition stronghold. Uh-huh. Uh, just briefly, the MDC, are they taking this ma- this matter further? 
Uh, I, we do understand that they want to take it further. They want to engage uh, some regional bodies to see if they can get redress, some regional um, legal bodies. So we, they haven't communicated. Nelson Chamisa indicated um, yesterday that once they have met as the National Council on Wednesday, they will then announce their next step or their, their, the way forward for the party. But they, they indeed are actually indicated that they are going to be taking this matter forward. Wonderful. That's our correspondent uh, in Harare, Effort to Musikiwa uh, in Zimbabwe. Talking about Zimbabwe, we have a caller, Freedom, and you are a, a citizen from Zimbabwe. Freedom, good morning. Good morning, sir. Yes, sir. Your thoughts? Yeah, about the Zimbabwe situation, my brother. As long as there are no reforms for electoral reform, there will not be a change. Remember, 2008, Shanghai won. The very people who denied Shanghai's victory are the very people who are now Munangagwa and Ishwenga. They are the ones who denied Shanghai, as well as the, the Concord Court again. And those are the very people who have blocked this young man have won. To be honest with you, I was there. I'm, I'm saying that I was there. I went to court. I went around in the rural areas. No one was supporting uh, the ZAMTF. There are very few people. And now just check, they have won. But in the country, it seems they are attending funerals. There's no celebration going even in the rural areas. As long as there are no electoral reforms in Zimbabwe, the situation will not change. Some people living outside, they think that things are right in Zimbabwe, but we are denying our freedom in Zimbabwe. We run away, they have to come and work in South Africa because of what is happening. And this is a suffer continue. Become uh, returning Munagawa to, the, to be a president is going to be a more suffering of Zimbabwean people. We are suffering. Right. We are hoping we will be going back home, but uh, because of the Concord Court and the Zimbabwean well, they are all the Zimbabwean people, Zimbabwean mm-hmm. people. So that's why the opposition won't change. There all right. will be no change in Zimbabwe. Are you Thank in before you. elections? Yes, so says Freedom. He's originally from Zimbabwe, uh, talking to us. What do you make uh, of that? I'd like to get your thoughts on the question, your take on the Constitutional Court in Zimbabwe declaring the president-elect Emerson Manangagwa the winner of last month's election. Let me know on the Facebook page, Twitter handle, and uh, SMS line. Uh, let's now come home. IFP leader Prince Mangosutu Butalezi says that he will be in peace if the president, Sir Ramaphosa, can sort out what he calls the unfinished reconciliation between the ANC and the IFP. He was asked about how he viewed the presidencies of Nelson Mandela, Thabo Mbeki, Jacob Zuma, and now Ramaphosa. Since he has been uh, an IFP member from 1994, Butelezi spoke in an exclusive interview with our parliamentary correspondent, Mercedes Percent, ahead of his 90th birthday on Monday and his uh, retirement from Parliament later this year. Prince Butelezi has been an IFP member of Parliament for over 24 years and he will retire in a few months' time. Since 1994, he has been an MP under various presidents and had different relationships with them. He says the late former President Nelson Mandela had confidence in him. No, Mandela, of course, uh, was someone who, it was clear, had full confidence in me because while they blocked him from seeing me for quite almost a year, the UDF did this and also uh, some leaders of the ANC. But, you know, uh, they could not destroy our friendship. So I was only too happy then when the interim constitution prescribed that any leader that would get more than 5% votes should be in the cabinet. So he, he, 
you invited me and my colleagues into the cabinet and also Mr. De Klerk, and we worked very close together. The 90-year-old outgoing leader and MP says his relationship with former President Mbeki was as close as the one with Madiba. I, I really admire Mr. Mbeki in the same way. I remember he was also sent by Madiba to, to go and talk to President Kabila Senior, not this one, in, in DRC. And he came, came to, he said to me, Sheng, let's go. And we went together. We got in like a house on fire with my, well, There were some differences we had, but, but it did not destroy the, the friendship and, and mutual respect that uh, Mr. Mbegi and I had for each other. And what about his relationship with former President Zuma, who comes from the same province as him? Well, President Zuma, on a personal basis, we respect each other. We respected each other, but I think I don't think, in spite of the fact that we both came from KZN, I think the other presidents were more were closer to me than than than, we were, than he and I were. So so really, because you see. After Polokwane, after, you know, he had the top of Mbegi, he invited me to a hotel in Durban called Edward Hotel. And he said to me, when he takes over as president, he would like us to continue to work together. And I agreed. But then after the election, he then invites me to say, he's, give, he's giving the IFP two deputy minister positions, you know. So uh, we rejected that, you see. And that was the outgoing IFP leader and MP, Prince Mangusutu Butalezi, who turns 90 on Monday. Happy birthday, Prince Mangusutu Butalezi, in advance, uh, ending that report by our parliamentary correspondent, Mercedes Besant. Now, um, the as usual, it was a very busy week in Parliament. President Sora Raposa answered oral questions in the National Assembly, while committees were also meeting with various government departments and parastatals. Lama Matya reports. Ramaphosa says the announcement he made on expropriation of land without compensation was in his capacity as ANC president and not to preempt the parliamentary process on the amendment of Section 25. I made the announcement as president of the African National Congress just as any leader of parties that are here have been able to speak about this issue But the ANC, being the majority party, has all the rights to put its position forward, to give leadership to the country about what needs to be done. And that's precisely what we have done. You may not like it. You may not like the fact that it was done in the evening. But it is what it is. In another development, more than 89,000 written submissions, which have been analyzed by an outside service provider, revealed that the submitters are against expropriation of land without compensation. The service provider was tasked by Parliament to analyze these written submissions. The findings are in the company's preliminary report that was presented by the Constitutional Review Committee Chairperson Vincent Smith. Of the 149.886 submissions, just over 60,000 of those submissions are of the view that the Constitution must be reviewed, and 89,327 say that the Constitution should not be amended, and there were 402 
undecided. In pie chart form then, 59% think that the constitution is fine, 40% think that the constitution needs to be amended, and 0.3% undecided. The SABC has told Parliament that it is facing a dire financial situation and it will only be left with 26 million rent in the bank by the end of August. Chief Financial Officer Yolanda Van Billion explains the financial situation. Maybe it can all be summarized in the fact that for a, a six to 700 billion rand organization, we anticipate to have 26 million rand in the bank account at the end of August. Um, clearly a situation that is unsustainable. Government has set up a team of technical experts to find ways of bringing down the price of fuel. Energy Minister Jeff Khadebe told Parliament's Energy Committee that the team is expected to complete its work by the end of September and that Parliament and the public will be informed. He was briefing the committee on what government is doing to address high fuel price and its impact on the country. Lulama Maitya in Parliament. That brings the time now to 6.30. It's time for your news headlines. In the headlines, Zimbabwe's newly elected president, Emerson Mnagagwa, will be sworn in at an elaborate ceremony in the capital, Harare, today. The main opposition, MDC Alliance, refuses to accept Mnagagwa's election victory and is not expected to attend the inauguration. Parliament's Police Portfolio Committee wants an investigation to be instituted into the conduct of a senior Hawks official for allegedly trying to derail a state capture probe. Major General Zintle Mnonopi is accused of trying to influence former Deputy Finance Minister Mkabisi Jonas to make a false statement in order to squash allegations that A.J. Gupta offered him a bribe. And U.S. Senator John McCain, the Vietnam War hero turned senator and presidential candidate, has died at age 81. He was diagnosed with an aggressive of brain tumour in July last year and had been undergoing medical treatment. For SFM News, Ambali, Tetani details and more at 7 o'clock. It is now 6.31. Let's now cross live to Manfred Seidler who is in Peter Maritzburg for the Nelson Mandela Marathon. Uh, uh, Manfred, good morning to you and tell us more about it. A very good morning. Yes, it's the seventh running of the Nelson Mandela Day Marathon starting in 2012 and of course the race starts in Peter Maritzburg, Mabaya Hall and finishes at the capture site, famous capture site from of 1962 when Nelson Mandela was, uh, uh, was first captured and uh, it is of course, as I said, the seventh running. 100,000 Rand up for grabs for the men's women, men's and women's winner in the 42-kilometer marathon. There's of course half marathon, a 10k, and the 10k is just uh, finished uh, with the uh, in the men's race and uh, the. Defending champion there in the men's race, uh, Precious Moshella was uh, winning that uh, that race. Uh, defending his title ahead of Desmond Mokubu, took a bad boy in third. And uh, it looks like Tabang Mosiako finished third uh, here last year, finishing in uh, in fourth, but we're waiting for confirmation of those results. In the men's marathon, uh, currently leading the race is Nkosi Kona Mashlakwana, ahead of uh, all the big race favorites. Kiberia Beradinka's in there, Sinta Yeho Legesu Yinesh was in there, and uh, they're all uh, vying for that uh, 100,000 Rand first prize. And if they do break the course record of Tabani Chagwe, which is uh, uh, they basically earn another extra 50,000 rand. So it's it's uh, all to play for here at the Nelson Mandela Day Marathon. Weather conditions right now are perfect. It is going to heat up quite dramatically a little bit later. 
and uh, there is always the, the, the factor of the wind and it is one of the most brutal marathons on the calendar it is literally a climb as you leave Peter Maritzburg you literally climb non-stop all the way to the finish line it is just starting to unwind uh, the men's race is, is now uh, all back together again and uh, ladies race also all very very tight Manfred Seidler for SAFM Sport at SAFM Radio and at Elvis Preslin on Twitter we're asking you this morning, what do you make of Zimbabwe and the inauguration of uh, the president, the president-elect Emerson Manangagwa? It happened today. The Constitutional Court uh, had the final say in this, uh, declaring him the winner. So what's your take on it? Let me take a quick look at what you're telling me on the Facebook page and SMS line. Uh, this one from Errol Presley says, Ramaphosa must be careful what he says about Donald Trump. America donates millions of dollars every year to South Africa and there's also uh, large investments in the country. Uh, this one from my daughter says, for McBuffalo to shout on top of the roof and singing the songs of Mugabe, he should have found out where Trump found the news that the government is taking farmers' land without compensation and the killing of them. This one coming from uh, George Marcosa in Port Elizabeth says, Chamisa, in the usual fashion of charismatic church preacher, he's articulate in selling nothing else but hope to people and leave them high and dry while he gets his gratification from riding the wave crest of the stirrups that he creates. A liar par excellence, if you ask me, says George. Brighton says, the Zim courts and ZANU-PF, one thing, for, for how long are they going to deny the people of their rights. Now, these are some of your comments. You can keep them coming. We'll read them as we continue. Let's now take a look, as usual, on a Sunday morning at your newspapers. And we start off with the Sunday Times, the front page there. Treasury mounts Zuma fight back. Ministers' officials line up at Zondo's state capture inquiry. And a picture on the front page there, terror braves the icy plunge. The cope leader, Terra Lakota, there in an icy plunge uh, in a pool uh, yesterday at Parktown Boys High School in Johannesburg. That's the front page of the Sunday Times. Uh, the City Press, they're leading with Gupta cases in a crisis. Uh, the Estina and the alleged 600 million rand bribe are said to be compromised with the investigation so protracted that the president may have to be roped in. That's the front page of the City Press. The Sunday World, they are leading with Bonang tax fraud drama. SARS ropes in the hawks and uh, bogus hawks officers target ministers. That's the front page of the Sunday World. The Sunday Sun, they are leading with Zodwa's Ben 10 stress. The star warns the haters, I'll marry this Ben 10 of mine. And this one's uh, the front page there with a picture. Manager waves goodbye to babes. Dumo, that's the front page of the Sunday uh, Sunday Sun. The Afrikaans paper, the, uh, the report, they're leading with Hront, no prod, Amal, the land question. Now everybody talks. And uh, also radio man uh, Peter van Berg ace millions from the SABC. That's the front page of the report. Elvis Preslin on SAFM. Now it's your time to shine as usual on a Sunday morning. It's your time to tell us what was your top stories for the week that was and the week ahead. 
N V Unedited. You can call me right now on that number. 0891104208. That's the number here in studio. You can also let us know what's on your mind on the voice note uh, number 0826923909. And we started this week with the Zimbabwean Constitutional Court hearing the matter on whether to uphold or overturn the then president-elect Emerson Mnangagwa's victory in the 30th July elections following the challenge by the MDC Alliance leader Nelson Chamisa and also focus on the International Relations Department asking the United States Embassy to convey to Washington the unhappiness of the people and government of South Africa following that uh, notorious tweet by the President Donald Trump on South Africa's land issue. Earlier I spoke to Sophie McQuenna, our foreign desk editor here at the SABC, about her top stories for the week that was and the week ahead. One of the big stories in the region on the continent, and of course uh, there was uh, also international interest, it was the Constitutional Court in Zimbabwe hearing a matter of the MDC Alliance. The Mm. second big story, uh, the passing on of uh, the former Secretary General of the United Nations, uh, Mr. Kofi Annan. And of course, what transpired later this week, Donald Trump, where he was uh, talking about the South African land policy and instructing the Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, to get information in terms of the uh, approach the government is taking on changing the policy mm-hmm. uh, about the land uh, redistribution. Now, the big story, of course, was Zimbabwe, and of course, everybody was waiting with bated breath from what will come out of uh, the uh, the Concord there. Um, so the story and the angle so far has, has, has been moved and changed quite a bit. Uh, what have you observed? What I think came out very strong was that the judiciary in Zimbabwe was on a spotlight. Secondly, Emerson Nangagwa, because He made a commitment when he came to power that he is going to do things differently, particularly to ensure that there's democracy in that country Mm -hmm. with the aim of rebuilding the country. Therefore, whatever he was doing or how he responded on different issues, people were really analyzing every move, Mm -hmm. every word, and perhaps action. Mm-hmm. Now, there was money to be paid if you wanted to carry the, the feed live from, uh, from, from the court. Uh, we didn't pay as the SABC. We didn't because uh, it was too expensive. And uh, the story was of continental interest. We are all Africans. We are all members of the African Union. Secondly, we are part of this region. There is an association of broadcasters in this region where we share information, particularly of national interest. When there are big events in South Africa, and we believe the events that we are covering are of national interest in our region, we always make that feed available in the interest of uh, the people of this region, but also the continent, at times internationally. Mm -hmm. Let me make an example of the state of capture, uh, the hearing currently. Mm we are making a pool available. And therefore, it's based on the fact that at the end of the day, this story is of national interest, regional interest, even the continent and the world at large. We tried uh, to persuade ZBC uh, that perhaps uh, they can bring down the costs 
because indeed to take the vans there, the satellite, the staff, uh, it's a lot of money. It's production costs, yes. Production costs are high, mm-hmm. high, very, very high. We understand that because we are always confronted with their production costs. Mm. You have to recover somewhere those costs. Mm -hmm. But at least uh, look at the story. This story, what does it mean for the country? It was a story that was going to open the country to the international community to say what we have promised we will deliver. We are for a democratic dispensation. This is a new dispensation. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't to be. What does that then say about media freedom in Zimbabwe? Pre-elections, it was better. There were no problems. Since uh, Munangagwa took office, it's easy to get a working permit in Zimbabwe. During elections, we didn't have problems to get accreditation Mm -hmm. and also... Uh, to get uh, accreditation from the Electoral Commission itself. The good thing that happened then, we went there before elections, we entered into negotiations, and whatever we agreed to with many stakeholders, they delivered. And from our side also, we did comply. And the other good thing was that uh, we had agreements perhaps to say if we have something unique, we can share. If you have something unique, you can share with us. For an example, we didn't take a huge team. That can Mm. be all over the country. Therefore, to cover certain leaders was going to be difficult. Therefore, you have to share with other broadcasters. And it it was okay. At the Electoral Commission Results Center, it went well. There were no issues. Only now, in Mm. the constitutional court during a hearing where we couldn't get access to uh, the the material. The sad thing is that we do have a bureau there and we have complied in terms of the laws of that country. And we were hoping that at least one foreign broadcaster would be allowed and perhaps that foreign broadcaster can share mm-hmm. or news agency can share with uh, the international broadcasters or those who are outside the borders. But uh, it wasn't to be. Mm-hmm. Another international story which you touched on, Kofi Annan, the former General Secretary of the United Nations. He died, of course, passed away. And uh, a lot of condolences coming from around the globe. Yes, uh, many people saying uh, he was a leader uh, in terms of ensuring that the United Nations leave to its promises in terms of bringing peace and stability. But, of course, critics saying he failed to handle the Rwandan genocide. Mm -hmm. He was not able to stop that genocide because then he was head of the the peace unit and he couldn't uh, perhaps uh, read the mood but also take advice in terms of what was going to happen at later stage. And... uh, He has since apologized. And then others are saying even how he handled the Iraq uh, issue and the invasion by the uh, Allied forces or the Americans and the British. But we know when he retired during his uh, farewell speech, he indicated that he didn't support the invasion, but uh, he was overruled by the Americans or the Americans and the British soldiers just moved 
in and, you know, without really listening to him. Mm -hmm. And you know very well South Africa at that time had played a prominent role in gathering information to check whether Iraq does have the uh, weapons of mass destruction. We presented a report. It was ignored by both George W. Bush and Tony Blair. Tony Blair has since apologized. And I think perhaps even Kofi Annan had a problem to try and convince these two superpowers. You know, the superpowers sometimes can be very arrogant. Mm -hmm. Now, the last story, Donald Trump, uh, he tweeted where he asked the Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, to closely study the seizures of land here in South Africa, as well as the killing of of white farmers. And the ANC has hit back and says that his statements are reckless and and it amounts to swart gefaar. That's Donald Trump. I mean, he operates on social media, big announcements on Twitter. He doesn't engage. He doesn't respect diplomacy. And it looks like he's operating outside the 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 the, 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 the system, mm. you know, in terms of uh, you have the state departments. Yes. But he doesn't. Mm. He, he doesn't, doesn't operate like that. Not at all. Mm-hmm. You have a state, you have these departments, but he doesn't listen to uh, the people who are in charge of those different portfolios. For an example, on an issue like the South African policy around land and what's happening right now, you have uh, Mike Pompeo, the Secretary General, uh, the the Secretary Secretary of State, State. Mm. who can go and verify and give you a report. Mm. You issue a statement based on a proper investigation. Mm -hmm. But this uh, statement obviously uh, offered uh, from Fox News. So you can imagine uh, the truth behind what was tweeted. But in closing, your top stories uh, looking for the week ahead? Well, what's going to happen to Zimbabwe going forward? How do you unite the country? How do you ensure that you rebuild the country? How do you bring back investors? Uh, How do you ensure that uh, the ordinary Zimbabweans, at the end of the day, they can see that the country is developing? Well, that's Sophie Mukwena, uh, our foreign desk editor here at the uh, SABC, giving us her stories for the week that was and the week ahead. And as you know, of course, members of Zimbabwe's ANU-PF today are celebrating because they're getting ready for that inauguration. It's taking place today of the president-elect Emerson Manangagwa. And, of course, you heard our president, Cyril Ramaphosa, saying to Donald Trump that he should keep his America. We will keep our South Africa. Well, what's your take on the Constitutional Court in Zimbabwe declaring the president-elect then, Emerson Manangagwa, the winner of last month's election? That's the question we pose to you. You can keep them coming. We'll read some of those comments. Uh, in fact, let's uh, do some now. Uh, let's have a look quickly uh, if there's uh, fresh ones coming in. In fact, we'll, we'll just continue and we'll come back to those comments in a short while. Uh, as we continue with the unedited, it's your time to shine as well. You can call me right now. Give us your top stories for the week that was and the week ahead on that number 891 104208. Now, the African Editors Forum, TAEF, has raised concern on the terror campaign unleashed on the media by law enforcement agencies in Uganda. Uh, Jovial, Jovial Rantau, he's the chairperson of the African Editors Forum and also the group ombudsman for the independent media. He had this to say about this week's top stories and the week ahead, as well as focus on Uganda and the African uh, problems or the, the problems that we have uh, of Africa. African countries against the media in certain countries? I've got quite a, a couple of tough stories. It's been quite a easy week. In, in South Africa, you've got the uh, Commission of Inquiry into the South African Revenue Services. 
you've got the state capture inquiry, and then you've got the tweet by U.S. President Donald Trump, which has angered a lot of people. And then when we thought that uh, fellow South Africans you know, learned lessons from uh, the Vicky Mambek saga, then you've got a uh, fellow called Adam Casavellos, uh, who now knows what South Africans think about racism. And then the land issue refuses to go away. And then if we look further up in Africa, you've got the Zimbabwe elections and the much-awaited decision of the constitutional court there. And then you've got the Ugandan law enforcement agencies running amok and uh, brutalizing journalists and editors in, in Uganda. So those will be, for me, the, the tough stories of this past week. Right. Let's start off with the Ugandan story, because that's a very worrying story. And it talks to media freedom, uh, basically, of all the journalists uh, that, that they expose to uh, the violence uh, being perpetrated by these agencies. Yeah, it, it does. But it's, it's very important is that this discussion is framed properly. You know, there's a major, major threat to freedom of expression in Uganda. It's not only a threat uh, to media freedom, but freedom of expression generally. As we speak now, uh, there's a, a musician called Bobby Wine who's appearing in court uh, simply because he, uh, he sang and wrote, uh, wrote and sang a lyrics that uh, the government finds uh, offensive. And we have a situation where, in, as far as the media is concerned, where journalists are attacked, brutalized, their equipment, uh, whether it's radio recorders or television cameras or whatever that the multimedia journalists are using to capture the Ugandan story, that is, uh, that is damaged by the police and they get away with, uh, with, with impunity. The African Editors Forum has protested. We are seeking to look at how uh, we can engage with the authorities in Kampala to plead with the president, Yoweri Museveni, to rein in the security agencies and to live up to the, uh, the protocol that Uganda has signed with other African countries committing themselves to freedom and independence of the media, as well as other freedoms contained in the constitutions of, of, of these countries. Talking about media freedom and a contention really also moving to Zimbabwe now in the Sadek region. Uh, and of course, where we heard that uh, if, uh, if you want to carry the live feed from Zimbabwe, you need to pay $13,500 US in order to, to do that. Uh, what does it say about media freedom in general, especially here in the Sadek region? Well, it's a, it's a huge problem, Elvis. Uh, nothing new. We have been trying uh, through the African Editors Forum and the South and African Editors Forum to address this issue. If you remember, the Zimbabwean authorities started charging journalists for accreditation for about, about three years ago. Hmm. You know, so you know we can appreciate that the media economy is, 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 is difficult and going through tough times like most economies in the world. We can also appreciate that maybe the Zimbabwean Broadcasting Commission uh, is very creative in trying to find alternative revenue streams, you know. But uh, this way uh, that they've they've adopted, a way in which there is a direct assault on media freedom and media independence, is totally wrong. You know, we we, we think that the Zimbabwean government, who who are the only shareholder in ZDC, should really intervene and find other ways of addressing the, the liquidity or financial health of, of the corporation. But uh, imposing this huge amount on foreign uh, networks is unacceptable. 
You know, it's, it's an accepted practice worldwide that if you are the host, host broadcaster and you have exclusive access to national events, that you provide seats free to whoever needs it. You know, in South Africa, the, the SABC does it very often, with a recent example being the, the BRICS summit that was held in, in Johannesburg recently. Now, if we look at this particular issue, then, will, will SUNEF be able to take this, or as the chairperson of the African Editors Forum, will you be able to take this to, uh, to SADC, perhaps, and, and discuss this situation? Well, our, our intention is to take it uh, directly with the Zimbabwean authorities and, and, and with SADC. Hmm. You know, um, and so our two-pronged uh, approach, we hope, will be able to yield some results. Now, a big story here at home, of course, talking about live broadcasting. The former Deputy Finance Minister, Mkabisi Jonas, has revealed that the main reason why the former President, Jacob Zuma, fired the then Finance Minister, Ntlantla Nene, was because of his refusal to sign off on the nuclear deal. And this was just one of the bombshells that was dropped today. Well, you know, the... Uh... <laughs> Mkabisi um, Jonas, uh, I think uh, most of us uh, as South Africans will look at him and think, uh, what a patriot. But if uh, looking at it from a media point of view, it's a major story. It's a major story. And his revelations, uh, this is the stuff that is very close to big scandals around the world, like the Watergate, etc. But, you know, the question that I ask myself, you know, is that, I, you know, this is this is beautiful. This is major news. But should we be hearing this in a commission of inquiry, or should we be hearing this in a court of law, mm. where those that are guilty of uh, state capture, those that have broken the law, are hauled before the the, the the court to account, and South Africans get justice. You know, um, I think the 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 problem that we may face in South Africa is that our democracy. <laughs> can face a very unusual threat from this commissions of inquiry. Mm-hmm. You know, if the law has been violated, people must be taken to court. And in terms of Jonas's testimony, you know, should be able to get someone convicted of some crime. And then we have two other stories which you need to choose from. Uh, D- Donald Trump and, of course, the land issue we can combine. And Adam Katsavalos, you can choose which one you want to take. I think Donald Trump we can deal with quite quickly because... You know, uh, this is a president who's got no credibility in his own country, who's the, whose credibility worldwide is, is quickly uh, being eroded by no one else but himself. You know, I think it's embarrassed himself and the U.S. by uh, treating information that he has the ability to, but did not bother to, to verify. You know, and I think the, the approach by the South African government to order the, the U.S. ambassador here to, to come and account and to take back uh, our anger and other things is, is the right thing to do. You know, I, I think Donald Trump uh, is not some somebody that South Africa should worry about. We've got enough problems of our own. Well, there you have it. Jovial Rantau, the chairperson for the African Editors Forum and also the group ombudsman at the Independent Media, telling us his top stories for the week that was and the week ahead. I'd like to find out from you what is your top story for the week ahead and the week that was on 0891104208. Let's take a look here on the question that we posed this morning on Zimbabwe. Your take on the Constitutional Court uh, declaring the president-elect Emerson Manangagwa uh, the victor and the winner of last month's election, Bramoro Bamba, says in Bloemfontein, 
Shalom, Salam, Peace, Africa. The Zim law has been tried and tested by Mr. Nelson Chamisa, and the ultimate Supreme Judges solved it. Mr. Chamisa lost the election even before he openly declared his intention to contest. I am happy that Africa is now using the law and the courts instead of the poison gun, a step that needs to be well congratulated, says Bramoro Bamba in Bloemfontein. Uh, on the SMS line, this one says, from Bilkish in Durban, Elvis, Adam, that's now Adam Katsavalos, made breaking news last week. Will it be Eve this week? A question from Bilkish. What do you think? This one says Trump's tweet was exactly right. What was wrong with it? A question there. Well, what do you think is wrong with Trump's tweet? Hey, do you see any land that's been taken already? Let me answer that question for you. I don't see it as yet. There's an announcement, expropriation, without compensation, And yes, it's still in the public domain, but no land has been taken yet. There's also a list, probably been circulated apparently, but that list has has not been confirmed that there is such a list that uh, really talks to the farms that will be taken or the land that will be taken or expropriated without compensation. So what's your take on that? That one was unsigned, so uh, no comment to that. Uh, So let me know what's on your mind, your top stories for the week that was and the week that was. Dr. Eugene Alice, a member of the South African Society of Psychiatrists, SASOP, according to the South African Medical Journal, at 37.9 billion rand lost to substance abuse. The actual indirect costs that they calculate in terms of vehicle accidents, of death to people, of loss of jobs and all of those, that comes to close to 300 billion, and that's just for alcohol. You see these Nigerians, they're selling cocaine and stuff on the streets openly. Why don't they go and sell their stuff in Nigeria? And now when we speak about these things, about these uh, foreign nationals who come here, then it is xenophobia. I used to have a friend from Scotland who was amazed at how we abuse whiskey in South Africa. Sure. But I mean, you guys, you drink whiskey as if there's no tomorrow. The Talking Point with Bongi Kuala, 9 a.m. to midday. Hashtag SAFM Weekend View. The Commission of State Captures, of course, continuing tomorrow. And who will be on the stand? Fakie Mentor. She'll be there. And the passing of John McCain, the U.S. six-time senator and former presidential candidate. He died at the age of 81. He was a naval bomber pilot, a prisoner of war, Arizonian or Arizonan warrior politician, a conservative maverick, they also say, and a giant of the Senate who survived plane crashes, several bouts of skin cancer, and twice defeated presidential candidate as an abrasive American hero with a twinkle in his eye. That's how he will be remembered. But from me and the team, from Arumo Kakana, Buntle Matsuatse, Tizwang Winamanashe, technical producer Ditron Godfrey, our senior producers Evelyn Tongwani and Salichi Shibase, executive producer Karani Pillay and Aubrey Sachia, myself Elvis Preston. Ciao for now.